Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Disco and Lit Hub Radio, episode 185, the best of the worst year. Today, we take on the year 2020 and all its glory and misery. We will each pick the best thing we read for the podcast and the best thing we read on our own, if we found any time to read on our own. <laughs> this is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. We are Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic Todd Goldberg and essayist and radio personality Julia Pistel. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, it is almost over. It's almost over. And then everything and then it... will change. one <laughs> <laughs> will start. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. it's kind of ridiculous how much faith we're all putting in just the end of the year meaning anything. Well, it's, you know, uh... if there's one thing that this godforsaken year has shown, it's like with the lack of ceremony, things just don't feel like they stop. Right. And so, like, we need New Year's Eve to click over to 2021, and then we can be like, ah, everything that just happened these last 12 months is right. a, it's over, until, it's done. And, and, until the wait for January 20th. Right. And then it will be, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. the that's the thing, like, all the markers have been extended, right? Because it was like, there was this crazy pressure we all felt about the election, and then that just dragged out for a month. Still feels like it's dragging out. Uh, you know, those markers are not coming hard and fast the way Well, it's just like everything else in 2020, like, time is absolutely meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing yeah. matters. Time means nothing. And therefore, like, all the things that we expected to feel on any given day. Like, I, dude, I remember, like, the announcement of the Joe Biden as president. I remember where I was. I have no concept of how long it was after election day. Like, it could have been three days later. It could have been a month later. I don't remember. Yeah. It was just a few days later. <laughs> I have no memory. Oh. It's, it's it was all... a Saturday. I uh, was in bed. Yeah. Wendy woke me up. I remember that. I was at a Panera drive through getting lemonade. I would murder some Panera. Oh, my God. I haven't had Panera in a year. Listen, uh, you got to recommit to the drive throughs this year. I think that's been a shining light for a lot of people. That and curbside pickup. <laughs> Yeah, but so have you like we haven't been doing almost any um, takeout at all. I'm just too scared. And in fact, as wow. I was just telling you guys before the show, so last week I got sick, and I was pretty sure that it was my last week on Earth, and I was recording a, a, a final episode of Literary Disco to leave in my will for all of you, <laughs> where I talk shit about your guys's taste. Wow. Um, yeah, the yeah. truth finally comes out. <laughs> he does hate Chill Silverstein. <laughs> And it was the first burrito I had had in quarantine that I hadn't bought a frozen version of. And I had gone to a Chipotle drive-thru. And then the next day I was sick. And I was like, fucking Chipotle is what took me down. But You're no, not going to get cold. sick from a drive-thru. No, I, I mean, other than a regular drive-thru sick, which is right. just a social contract. <laughs> right, you're right. L little bit of diarrhea is... That's all part of the deal. <laughs> if you want it's the price of fast food. If you want you something want called fast? a bun taco, then you got to expect a little bit of diarrhea. Uh, anyway. All right, guys. So, <clears throat> were we able to read anything outside of Literary Disco? That is... A valid question. Uh, it was very, I'm, you know, that's, we, we were saying, uh, in order to prepare for this show, we, I was looking back through our episodes just to try and remember what we read this year. 
And I was amazed at how much we actually did pull off and also just so grateful because I really found it difficult to read. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but I found it so difficult to read during this entire year. And I'm just so thankful that we had our little book club here to force me to read because we ended up reading some incredible books this year. It was you actually did. really yeah. hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly can't really nail it down to one book. I mean, especially I noticed in novels, we read some great novels this we did. year. Mm-hmm. We really did. Um, but yeah, likewise, it, it, well, you know, I read less than I normally read probably for two reasons. One, the pandemic and one and two, I was writing a book. And so when mm-hmm. I'm writing a book, I tend to read less um, because, you know, for a variety of reasons, most of which just has to do with time. But, you know, because of my the other part of my life, which is I'm a book critic, I still end up reading, you know, at least a book or two a month mm. to write reviews of somewhere. Um, but even then, like I like I took I took like three or four months off from reviewing from my normal places. Um, but I still end up reading, you know, I probably read 35 or 40 books this year. I read 35 books, which I know because I still use Goodreads to only for this reason now to keep track of the books that I've read. So great. Um, Which is and so many of our listeners I know are on Goodreads. Um, And it is so nice to I clicked over right now. This is how I do my little year in review. I look at our posts and then I look at my Goodreads and I'm like, oh, yeah. And you can see all the covers lined up. It's so nice. Um, but it was hard to read for me. I've mentioned this, I think on like every episode, this was the year of the audiobook. the amount, yes, of, yeah. the amount of hours Absolutely. that I was like, I can't listen to my own thoughts anymore. I can't listen to anyone else in my house anymore. Boop, <laughs> headphones on. Yeah. Um, yeah. just like living around my house, folding laundry and cooking and stuff. So that was really nice. So I ended up reading a lot, but more listening to a lot of audiobooks. So, I've yeah. got some submissions. T- ton of audiobooks. I listened to a really long Scott Turow novel that I have no memory of because I would listen to it every <laughs> night at going to sleep. <laughs> and, like, I just figured, like, oh, well, by the end, he probably didn't do it, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I was content to just, like, at, after 18 hours of listening to it, just listen to the last chapter and be like, oh, okay, yeah, he didn't, he didn't do it. The other guy did it. Okay. Wow, sounds satisfying. <laughs> well, the thing is, the dude that was reading it has just a great, perfect voice to have me somewhat interested, but not so interested that my mind doesn't wander to, like, you know, third grade or whatever, and then I'm asleep. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a part of the whole explosion in podcasts, too, you know, right. is that it's like just that sense of company, you know, like I hope our listeners feel that way about us <laughs> being in their ear and while they're folding laundry or whatever. It's like, cause I've definitely listened to podcasts like crazy, listen to yeah. audiobooks mm-hmm. like crazy. There's just something so comforting about just other people. Like, you know, the real audio connection to human voices and, and thoughts. And it's, yeah, I mean, we, we're not socializing yeah. like the way we are supposed to. Um, yeah. It's yeah, just it's hearing very other strange. people talk. I mean, it's very yeah. comforting. Like, just the other night, I was listening to this Rolling Stone podcast about um, the albums they'd picked for their 500 greatest albums of all time. Oh, yeah. And there was like five people on the podcast talking. And after like 10 minutes, I completely lost the train of whatever it was they were talking about. But it was just sort of nice to eavesdrop on smart people talking about things they're interested in. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah. I'll say there was a point where with almost all my podcasts that I regularly listen to when they were all about COVID in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now we're going to talk about other pandemics or this kind of virology thing. And I hope our listeners enjoyed us talking about other stuff. <laughs> uh, obviously, we've been talking, living through the pandemic, but, you know, sometimes I think we all feel, you know, sometimes you want to go all in and take that deep dive and try to read the stand like I did at the beginning. Fuck, man. No. And then. No. Why did you do that? Because I love the stand. Yeah, and... but like, oh, God. Like, you need Captain Trips up in your head when, you, when you're when you scared that you're dying of a fucking pandemic? Listen, lean in, man. Everybody yeah. was thinking it yeah. already. I mean, we did watch we did watch Contagion on like March nineteenth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those those movies went through the roof. Like, I, it was so funny to see Cabin Fever trending within like three weeks oh. of the pandemic. Oh I was yeah, like, right. And then it was like all these people are like, this movie was ahead of its time because it's true. It's like, the right. whole horror of that movie is that the people around you might be sick. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like an inverse zombie movie where like the zombies are the people that don't get sick. Like mm-hmm. that's always been the sort of trope of Cabin Fever, and it really played well. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Dude, I gotta tell you, like, you were in my house more than you've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd just be flipping through the channels and be like, oh, there's Ryder. He had a weird haircut. Okay. <laughs> Horrible hair in that movie. Horrible hair in that movie. But, guys, was... I can feel that we're like, oh, we read some, I don't know, what did we achieve? We achieved something great, and we have to kick off with this. We read Middlemarch. We did yeah. read Middlemarch. It's so long yeah. ago that it feels like a complete blip. But for a lot of readers, this would be, like, the only thing they read this year or, like, the big one, like, the big right. fish they caught in the year. And it was hard for me to, to to not pick it as the best of 2020 on Literary Disco for us because when I think about it, it I, it's still a world I want to live in, yeah. yes. which is crazy. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's not the same type of escapism as, like, you know, we discussed other stuff we've been reading uh, on, on the 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 comfort reads episode that we did around the election. And we talked about crime and all right. these sort of forms of escapism, but middle March, it was a form of escapism in a weird way, but like, it's so luxurious and indulgent and, and rich mm-hmm. that I actually like, I, I just found myself going like, and why was that character married to this person? How did that? Right. And I like, kind of <laughs> want to read it again, which is crazy. Like, but it, it just feels like a, a full, it, it feels like a complete world that I right. was in. And like, I it feel it's almost like they're my memories now of these experience. You know, yes. I have yeah. scenes in my yeah, head. I agree. That is crazy. Like <laughs> that is such good writing. And of course it, we took forever to read it. So I was kind of living it for two or three months or whatever but it is it's it's uh, i don't know i didn't pick it as my best from the the disco but it seems unavoidable that it was was kind of the best it's just the sun that we're orbiting around this year i feel like it doesn't it can't go in any category it's its own Mm -hmm. thing yeah Yeah. and it this will always be like when someone says when did you read middle march and say oh for three months during the middle of a of a pandemic, I read Middlemarch. Yes. And I now know more about fever hospitals than I know about, <laughs> you know, almost anything else in the world. Yeah. And it's one of the only times I've read a book and had an entire country get mad at me. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, So man. I apologize, England. I'm sorry. <laughs> You were just trying to create some, you know, narrative arc to our many episodes we did about it, and we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah look, work. Like I, I sort of view myself as a trickster. Like, uh, no change. Uh, 
All right. So, so do you guys have a clear, uh, clear 2020 best of from our show? Do yeah. You, let's Julia? hear it, Todd. Yeah, I think I do. You go first. All right. I think this is a long time ago, but when I went back and saw it on the list, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Um, Your House Will Pay by Steph yes. Cha. Mm-hmm. I yep. love that book. Oh, I love that book. Yep. That one I think about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That was so well written. It ended up being so relevant this year. Um, it was just a fantastic book. Love yeah. that I'm book. Happy we read it. I think that was up there, like when when I said earlier about the novels this year. That really, like that that and then the Zero Zone, I kind of put in the same Love category. Zero which zone. Is like these two novels that I had no expectations for. Mm-hmm. I yep. really didn't hear that much about, uh, and yet were so perfectly crafted. And they both are are in the same vein as like literary fiction meeting crime fiction perfectly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having just really easy, quick reading plot. But then so much resonance beyond that plot. And um, yeah, that, that was one of my top choices too. Yeah. Steph Cha. Unbelievable. So let me just ask an important question. So are, are we, because this will change possibly what I pick as my favorite, goddammit. So <laughs> is it any book we read in 2020 or new books that came out in 2020? That we we read? don't care about new books. Only okay. you care about that because you're a reviewer. Okay. Yeah. We All say right. any book that we read any book. in yeah. 2020 for the show. Goddamn it. Now I gotta think yeah, because if it was just new books, it would be uh, Your House Will Pay for me, too. Although, was that a 2019 No, it was book? 2019. It was 20. Okay. Yeah. Well, then Zero Zone, But if we're doing best. But anyway, Todd, what was the what was the best for the show, on the show for <sighs> you? Do you need a minute? Well, hmm. No, I think I, I think I can I can say that it was uh, Weather by Jenny Ophel. Yeah. I know Absolutely you're going to say that. Absolutely love that book. Love that book. It was the only book that I gave four stars to, which is the... Perfect rating in USA Today, where I am uh, a book critic. Um, I, I, it's a book I've thought about over and over again. It's a book I've recommended to my students over and over again. And I thought um, that it would lose relevance this year um, because it was so much about 2016. But it's also about just the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the end of the worldness and the conspiracy theories and the crazy podcast that's at the center of it. And all the other stuff that's going around, I just kept thinking about how prescient um, Jenny Ofo was about this actual year. But it's this year, even without a pandemic, would have been like it was. (laughs) You know, like yeah, we were we were cooked up in the middle of madness, no matter how you sliced it. Um, And her book, I think, really crystallized it. You know, I I saw some I saw some backlash against the book. sort of this summer uh you know people were like oh it's sort of about privileged people doing privileged things and we had talked about that a bit on the show um but the humor and the the weirdness of it it just stuck with me and i really think that jenny ofel is doing things that no one else is doing right now as a fiction writer and i just uh I just appreciate it your house will pay i absolutely loved but i actually read that first in 2019 um so I'm not going to count Good that. Cheat. Good um, cheat. And I loved Zero Zone. Man, I thought so much about Zero Zone. But of course, that's because I'm, I'm optioning it and writing the eight-part series. <laughs> Which I will be directing the pilot right. for. <laughs> you guys are really into manifesting right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think the Ophel book is just um, formally so inventive. And like to me... Mm-hmm a defining sort of formal, like on the page, the way she wrote that book, 
is 2020 mindset to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I, so I think it'll live on for like I because when we read her first book a couple years ago, um, you know, it, it, it was in the same style, but it didn't resonate with my like brain state as right. perfectly as reading weather did during the pandemic. And I, I found myself recommending that book to multiple friends when they were like, what can I read right now? I was like, read weather because it'll, mm-hmm. it'll feel like it'll, it'll read fast. It's, it's quick. It's funny, but it also will, will just the experience of reading it will feel like the way you're thinking during the pandemic. Right. right now. And that, yeah. that is like truly striking. And I think that's going to be something that lives on, you know, what, I want to read it again later and, and see how it feels. So yeah, is that I, your yeah. favorite two writer? No, I, I'm going to go all the way back to the first book we read, which was The Overstory by Richard Powers. Yes. Oh, yeah, the tree book. I, yeah. yeah, the tree book. And, I, you know, it's it's. I finished it. We did it in January. So I finished it right in January, the beginning of the year. But it ended up being I, it's still like just one of the best books I've ever read. And I think like so much of this year was about, for me, like, trying to uh trying to reconcile like micro thinking and macro thinking you know like how much of your immediate life is just getting through the goddamn day right making sure my kid is eating and you know staying happy um and there's like all these sort of micro concerns and i feel like so much of the pandemic has been about that and then there's all these macro concerns about like how do you think about the politics and how do they affect your life and what's going on in the whole world? Why, you know, what's happening in China and how that affects us. And something about the overstory being the first book I read in the year really set this tone of, uh, this, this macro view, this ability to, you know, I mean, I feel like the book does something that I, I, I just, it's so rare for a book to make humans almost secondary right. and still have a narrative and, and to sort of put humans in the context of, the environment at large and and the world and the universe it's so ambitious it's so crazy it does fail on the level of scenes in so many ways like we talked about on the episode but it really set me in this mode of thinking that carried through the year it led into like when we read Shomei and Account of My Hut mm-hmm. it's this very similar sort of like let's take a step back um, you know, and maybe this just speaks to a, a, a sort of like Buddhist sense of detachment that I've <laughs> fallen into, which is maybe a self-defense mechanism. But I've, you know, I, I've, I found myself when I'm alone, when I'm with my thoughts, when I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for the macro mm. this year. And I feel like the, the overstory sort of set me in that zone. Um, and I've really appreciated that. Like I've just been thinking bigger, more philosophical like, you know, I, I feel like I've returned to like, when I was in college and, you know, I thought that like sitting around and reading books and thinking could really change the world. And then like you spend so much of your adult life realizing like, no, 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 no I just got to focus on my day to day living. And uh, this year has been like a return to the, like, let's let's get a look at the big pictures as big as we can and see what we can think. Um, and so the overstory sort of set me in that zone. So and I don't know about you guys, but I've used facts or I don't know if they're facts. They could be facts. They're facts. facts. Facts I've learned in that book just to talk about trees to other people. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you know, but they have a complex set of emotions. and They can communicate to each two, other. They, <laughs> they actually share nutrients. Like You could have a tree here and a tree five miles away, and that tree five miles away right. is feeding the tree over here. Or just know. like the crazy, the crazy fact. I, I mean, I'm gonna mess it up, but like the percentage of DNA that we share with trees, right? It's mm-hmm. like something like 75. percent You're like, right. what? Like, uh, I don't know if you know, but a tree is actually a hundred times more complex genetically speaking than a man. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I 
I want to go back and reread that because I feel like when did we read that in January? In January, yeah, January, yeah. yeah. It's the first book. The, of the year. when I look back on this year, what I am going to think about is how much time I spent outside and mm-hmm. how much time mm-hmm. I spent engaging with birds and trees and nature in a way I've always been like I love nature but this year it was like you know feet to the fire how much do you really you know Uh, (laughs) and um it has been so wonderful to kind of accidentally raise a child under those conditions because Mm -hmm. there's like she has to go outside or right you know because that's where your bathroom (laughs) everyone goes yellow wallpaper (laughs) will start to happen (laughs) um and I, f- I wish we had saved that book till later. It would have been yeah. so different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I would have liked it better if I had read it six months into, into this the shit. pandemic. Yeah, back yeah. then we were like, we're so busy. Oh, yeah. who has time for this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I will read it or just listen to the audiobook. Like, oh, yeah. Trees. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a long book and, you know, it's not. Oh yeah, it's, it's like five hundred. It's not an easy read. Yeah. No, but I would really urge our listeners. If you know, I know we we gave it all positive reviews in January, but if you haven't picked it up, I I, I think it's one of the most important books I've read in a long time. Um, yeah, really. I I also have to say that the the other book that I think about a lot is the Jericho Brown book, The Tradition. Mm-hmm. Man, the that form of um, poem that he created, the duplex. That that has really fucked with my brain a lot, <laughs> and I go back and I look at that over and over again. That was a really that was a great book. I absolutely loved. It. I actually read a fair amount of poetry without you guys. Um, I read Natalie Diaz's book, um, Post Colonial Love Songs. Um, her book after um, uh, when my brother was an Aztec. It just came out this year. Really good. I mean, if you loved when my brother was an Aztec, you'll love. Um, you love her new book. It's just really great, great stuff. If you're a fan of literary disco, then you're a fan of stories, and you should check out Far Away, a new short story collection from Amazon Original Stories. Far Away gathers five of today's most original best-selling authors for bold new takes on classic fairy tales. These are not your typical happily ever after kind of stories. These five stories for adults offer new takes on evil queens, charmless princes, and star-crossed lovers, taking old standards in new and interesting directions. The Far Away Collection is available in audio and ebook format. Amazon Prime members listen and read for free. Download now at amazon.com slash farawaystories. That's amazon.com slash farawaystories. So, Julia, what was the best book that you read outside of Literary Ugh, Disco? This is really hard. I read a lot of good ones. Uh, my eyes landed on several different things. Um, and I'll just cheat and list off a few that I almost picked. Heavy by Chiesa. Chiesa oh, Lima. So good. So good. I listened to I don't know anything audio. about it. Oh, my God. So uh, good. You gotta listen. It won listen Audible it. Book of the Year. Um, okay. Won the LA Times Book Prize. It's amazing. Oh my God. Okay. Um, and yeah, these are all essay or nonfiction things, which is always my jam. I also read David Sedaris's latest book, which was really, really good, and Trevor Noah's Born a Crime, which was really, really, really good. Um, but the one that's popping out to me right now, this is a really weird pick. I'm so happy to offer it up to our listeners. <laughs> 
Okay, the MacArthur Genius Grants came out, and Linda Barry won either mm-hmm. this year or last year. So she's a comics artist, graphic novelist, and she's a teacher. And she has this book called Making Comics, which is her undergrad-level comics drawing course in book form. But it's oh, wow. basically essays about comics and drawing and teaching. And it is so enchanting and and honest honestly life-changing like if i had to pick something on here that's a life-changing work it would be this tiny little drawing class that's in book form because what her teaching style is about the whole book is like why do we think and when do we think we become bad at drawing like Mm. what is the exact moment in childhood or early adulthood where people look at a drawing they they make and think this is bad. All right. Mm. And then how do you undo that or like get back to this weird place that little four year olds draw as an adult um, or right. as a college student? Right. That's so cool. And she talks about like in detail how three, four, and five year olds draw um, and what they do. And now I've observed this since reading this book and it's just so amazing is they like, they just make a shape and then they say what it is. They don't say, mm. I'm going to draw a house. Mm. And then draw a house. They're just like, blah. And then they're like, this is a snake eating a balloon. Um, right. And, um, but it, it's, it goes really deep into this idea of like, why, why has drawing become like this kid thing, but other art forms or other skill sets like survive into adulthood? That's a great question. Um, Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, right? Like we all know that you have to get up to like a certain level of writing and reading and stuff, but drawing, there's a certain drop-off point where you're like, there's people who are good at it, there's people who are bad at it, most of us are bad, please stop doing it. Right. <laughs> so, it's <laughs> well, this so reminds good. Me, this, is so, this reminds me so much of a moment I've had with Indy within the last year, actually probably end of last year, where we were drawing, we, you know, we, we will sit and draw stuff together, and he'll be like, you know, I think we were creating dragons or something. And so he'll draw his his dragon, then I'll draw mine. He'll be like, "Dad, yours is so much better." Yeah. And I would be mm. like, "No, no, 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 no." And we had to, and and we finally nailed down. He was like, "Okay, well, yours has all those extra lines and stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, mine is more realistic. Yours is more cartoony. That mm. doesn't necessarily make it better or worse." And like once he knew that, it was like, "Okay, he could still keep drawing right. his way," you know. But it was like one of those parenting moments. I was like, "Oh shit, did I draw too well?" You know, and I'm a horrible artist. Right. Yeah. But like you know, I was attempting to you know add shading and depth and wrinkles or whatever Battle I was scars. Doing. And exactly he was like this is oh i can't do this and i realized really quickly i had to like correct that and be like no 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 no. we just draw different styles yeah so Keep this book your thing. and and then i went on to read some she has several books like this that are memoirs or essays that are also comic books it's, it's hard it's to so describe cool. you gotta just buy yeah. it linda barry's a genius she is a genius which is why she got the money Right. Um, <laughs> right, right. Like combining that with my a side hobby I've never mentioned here is I like read a lot about child neuroscience and child development because I'm just so interested and curious, as I feel like everyone who's a parent should because it makes everything so much better. But combined with like this new idea that you shouldn't be like, good job, good job. Your dragon is beautiful. Your dragon is great. And right. instead, ask questions about it like oh how did you decide to make the tail that way or does it fly or does it swim um right Mm. it is it's really great if you're a parent and for kids but making comics specifically is for adults it's it's arguing like if you like 
I'm sure most of our listeners either keep a journal or kind of feel like they should keep a journal <laughs> or have yeah. done so at some point. I or just started I just, 20 journals. Yeah. I just tweet. Yeah. Or so, a tweet journal. But right. what to finish my thought, and then you could go wherever you want to go, Todd. It's like, why don't we have, why don't regular old people have a little sketch journal? Why don't they That's doodle more? So I, great book. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, like, I've, I've been sitting here quiet for the first time in 49 years. Holy shit. Thinking about, like, yeah, when was it that, like, I used to draw constantly. When was it that I just decided, well, I'm terrible at this. I, yeah. I, I can't draw this same mountain with a road going through it for the rest of my life. Okay. <laughs> I need sounds, to stop. Sounds deep. <laughs> yeah. God, that's so weird. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been driving me crazy, like. You know, because I've ended up drawing a lot with Indy. And, like, I sit there and, like, I, I realize I, I don't know how to draw, like, a face at, like, three quarters. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, every yeah. time I draw a person, it's like they're staring straight ahead. Right. And so, like, I've given myself the challenge of, like, trying to draw things three quarters. I'm like, no, I really can't do this. Like, I have to figure this out. I need to, like, look it up online and, you know, take a class or something. Because it's frustrating because it's actually enjoyable to draw. It's yeah. really, really enjoyable. But until I had a kid, I would never sit down and draw. But it's actually, it's super satisfying. You know, part of it for me, now that I'm thinking about all my regrets and shame. Um, right, very good. Was that because I'm <laughs> colorblind, mm. I... I would color, I would draw things and color them in and they'd be the, you know, the wrong colors. And my, my mean teachers would be like, that's not blue. You've, you've drawn a purple sky or whatever it was. And it just started to be like a thing where I was like, well, I I don't want to draw because I don't want to have, you know, Mrs. McLaughlin yell at me for not knowing what colors are because of my disability. (laughs) Um, It must be part of it. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, that's a therapy appointment I'm going to have to have. <laughs> Thanks, that's Linda. That's a great, great pick. <laughs> yeah, great that pick is great. What about I'm you, Ryder? That book. Uh, so I'm, I didn't pick a book. I picked the best thing I read uh, outside of uh, the disco. And I actually, I can't remember. I'm, 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 I'm positive I must have mentioned this book poem on the disco i probably already read it so for our longtime listeners i'm sorry but this poem came into my life uh early on in the pandemic and i this became the thing that i read every couple of days i sent it to everybody at some point like if anybody sent me a check-in email being like how are you doing you know a letter and i respond uh in part with this poem like i would send this poem to everybody and just Mm. be like by the way, no matter what you're, you know, I know you might not be into poetry ever, but, but give this thing a read. Um, and, and it's also, uh, for me, the reason I can't get off Twitter. Uh, because <laughs> if you follow poets on Twitter, it's a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. Um, because they, what ends up until happening... Until they start if, fighting. <laughs> right, that's true. But what's so nice about following poets you like, you know, like basically if I read a book of poems or if I, I get a poem that I really like, I immediately look up the, the author and I follow them on Twitter. And so what that ends up, what ends up happening is you, while you're doom scrolling, you know, and you're sitting there reading the news, like all my, the algorithm keeps feeding me, you know, Trump stuff and Biden stuff or whatever. And then every once in a while, there'll just be a poem in the middle of a tweet scroll and I'll stop and take a moment and read a poem that never takes more than a minute or two. And 
you know, you find gems and, and it changes your whole day or gives you a moment of pause. And this is why I can't quit Twitter is because those kinds of things keep happening. You either an essay or a poem will pop up. So anyway, one of the poets that I follow, um, who, who I love is this poet named Ada Limon, who I'm sure we've talked about mm -hmm. on the, the show at some point. She's just amazing. She's an amazing poet. Um, California, now Kentucky-based poet, um, really narrative, really accessible, wonderful poet. And she, early on in the pandemic, tweeted a poem by a poet I also love and follow, um, Aracellus Gourmet. Um, and I've read two of her collections before, and I had read, I think this poem actually appears in one of those collections, so I'd already read it, but for, but for what I think will be obvious once I read it to you guys, it suddenly really... Um, struck home it it's you know this was early in the pandemic when i was obviously stuck at home but also just so concerned with my my son and his understanding of what was happening and then you know we've talked about on the show like how much we just explored the natural world and our immediate vicinity in a way that we never had you know like mm -hmm. the biggest things we would do is take walks and it was raining early in march in, in la a lot so we would be walking in the rain and then going outside in our backyard and discovering birds and um, the life cycles of the squirrels in our yard. You know, like we just got really, you know, focused on the sort of tiny micro, going back to what I was saying earlier, like the micro experience. And, um, and this poem just like killed me. And I was reading it all the time. And then I decided to read it to my son one night. And um, it was so crazy. Like, you know, I, I set it up. I was like, you, you Think about how we've been living and, and this poem, I read this poem the other day and it like really feels like it's written for us in this moment, even though it was written a couple years ago. And my son was like, okay. And then I read it and he was just like flabbergasted. He's like, dad, that's a really important poem. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he's like, we should, um, we should write that down and share it with people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my son just discovered publishing. <laughs> He's like, can we, <laughs> can we, can we print that out and like put it around the neighborhood? <laughs> like he was, and it was so, you know, I just started crying. Um, it's such a like, uh, I don't know, such a great moment. Mm -hmm. um, sorry. <laughs> All right, so this is called Elegy by Aracellus Gourmet. What to do with this knowledge that our living is not guaranteed. Perhaps one day you touch the young branch of something beautiful, and it grows and grows, despite your birthdays and the death certificate, and it one day shades the heads of something beautiful, or makes itself useful to the nest. Walk out of your house then, believing in this. Nothing else matters. All above us is the touching of strangers and parrots, some of them human, some of them not human. Listen to me. I am telling you a true thing. This is the only kingdom, the kingdom of touching, the touches of the disappearing things. Man. Yeah. God, I just, so I, I read it every week. Like, oh. I, I just can't, and, you know. I don't know if it's, it's healthy like, for you to keep reading it every week. <laughs> <laughs> I Man, find it incredibly. Yeah. I find it incredibly soothing. There's just, you know, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't, I don't know if oh. it needs much more explaining, mm -hmm. but it's like yeah, to so me, good. yeah. And do you uh, know if it's in one of her books? I'm I'm assuming it was because I think it came out in 2000 and 
But yeah, Kingdom Animalia is the book it's in, okay. which I had read years ago. So it came out in 2011. Wow. Um, but yeah, so thank you, Ada Limong, for tweeting this poem. You know, she just had a screenshot of it, and then I screenshotted her screenshot on Twitter, and I kept it on my desktop on my computer. And then, like I said, I, I was just disseminating it, and then my son wanted to do the same thing. And it was just, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And now, um, if you drive on any street in the um, in the Eagle Rock part of Los Angeles, <laughs> you'll see indie strong uh, small publishing industry. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm light posts everywhere. Oh, that's beautiful! <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thank you. I have to read it now. I have to. I have to see it in print. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's great. Uh, well, my favorite is very similar to writers. God damn it, I knew I should have gone first. Uh, (laughs) So I picked um, my most enjoyable reading experience of 2020. The book that I just could not wait to get back to. um, That just filled me with such wonder and glee. And that is a horror novel called The Only Good Indians by Stephen Mm. Graham Jones. Oh, I want to read this so bad. It is so goddamn good. It is so goddamn scary. It is so (laughs) goddamn funny and weird and smart. There is no other writer like Stephen Graham Jones alive today, and he has reached an absolute peak with The Only Good Indians. So the basic plot is going to sound crazy. Um, But I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Uh, uh, Some young Indian men um, kill a a young deer, too young to have been killed. Um, And that deer, elk, I'm sorry, and that elk (laughs) haunts them and kills them. Over the course of the next 15 years. Oh my god. I love this. I have to read this. I'm so excited. It is so goddamn scary. I cannot even tell you. And like, there's no way it should work. And it works gloriously. Um, That's so cool. It's absolutely amazing. And Stephen Graham Jones, you know. We had him on the show, you guys will remember, uh, listeners, and, and of course you guys know. But I'm still traumatized by it. He made us read the worst <laughs> book I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, uh, The Girl Next Door. Not the worst book. Not it the worst book. The, good book. That's it's a great problem. book. It's the, the most disturbing book. The most book. disturbing book I've ever read. The What's girl, the author's name? Jack? Jack Ketchum. Uh, Ketchum. Oh, my God. The Girl Next book. Door. The, like I, That book is no longer in my home. It's just, mm. I'm not going to have that shit in my house. <laughs> anyway, um... And, you know, he sees the world in a completely different way than the rest of us. But, you know, it, he's a he's a Blackfeet Indian. Um, that's, that's an important part. If you name a book The Only Good Indians and you know the, the <laughs> other half of that, that famous sentence, mm-hmm. like that book better deliver. And holy shit, does it deliver. I mean, it's cultural criticism. It's social criticism. It's a fucking great horror novel it's satire it's the it's the you know it's every like last final girl you gotta fight story it's all that shit it's about basketball it's about reservation life it is so good 
and it's all of 285 pages. You could read it in six hours, but I read it slow because I couldn't sleep in the same room with it. I was going to say, I'm considering, <laughs> now I'm considering ruining my own life and listening to it on audio, oh, which will probably I, I destroy be me. Scary. It would be really <laughs> scary to listen to it on audio. It's so good. And, you know, this is unrelated to the actual content itself, but it's also sort of a, an interesting look at when everything comes together for a book. So he's got a great story, right? He gives it a great fucking title, right? So this is just for the aspiring writers in the world. He's got a great story idea. He gives it a great title. He finds the perfect publisher. That publisher gives him the most beautiful cover design for a book that I've seen all year. Wow, you are gushing. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. The spine. The typeface. Incredible. The typeface is great, too. And then they actually know exactly how to sell the book. Like, they yeah. they have the full promotional cycle set up perfectly so that even when the pandemic hits, they bump the book out a couple months. They release it in, like, June instead of March or whatever it was going to be. And it's still a huge, massive, life-changing hit for them. It's just everything came together for it. it, it it's I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm also guessing because Steven's my friend, but it's just a great fucking book. And a lot of times, like you, you'll read your friend's books and you'll be like, yeah, that was, that was that was a very that was a very good book. And then you try not to ever have to talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> but I've just been telling everybody, like even Wendy read The Only Good Indians, and I don't think she's ever read a horror novel. Wow. Yeah, it was oh, really cool. good. I just loved it. Just a great reading experience. I'm going to buy it like right now and start Me listening too. to it tonight. I'm going to be in. Yeah, no, cuz it's not only you. I I feel like I've heard it from other people too. It's it's yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean excited. it was it was a New York Times best book of the year. You know, it was all over the place. Picture this. Yeah. It's 7:15 in the morning. My daughter is building Duplo. I'm peeing my pants in my kitchen in terror. <laughs> of an elk. <laughs> That's how I will experience elk that's going this. To come- <laughs> yeah but it's also like it's this it's also a novel about marriage and trust in a marriage like there's all kinds of shit that happens in this book i don't know how he does it it's just it's just great i just loved it and i like i'm sure someone's optioned it i don't know how they'll make it into a movie that's as scary but man god i just love that book absolutely loved it Uh, and i read i read a lot of other really great stuff too um you know, uh, The National Road by Tom Zellner is a good book of essays I just read. Um, I read a really good noir novel recently, um, The Lady Upstairs by uh, uh, Haley Sutton. Um, just uh, When the Mountains Will Burn by David Joy was a book I, I really loved. Um, I already mentioned Natalie Diaz's book. Just uh, I just read a lot of really good stuff this year. And then, you know, a fair amount of old things, too. I read all of... Um, did I read, oh, I read all of Jane Austen last summer. Yeah, time is a I've lost Flat all sense circle. of it. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think? What do you guys think about what's happening to writers right now? I mean, this mm. is a good question for you, Todd, because you you've been reading stuff by students, mm-hmm. obviously. But then I, I also wonder about your friends, your other writer friends. Like, what do we think is going to come out of 2020 literarily? Like, in other words, what's going to be released in 2021? Is there going to be a trend? Are we, is it just all going to be dark and miserable? Well, want, is it going to be escapist and fun? It, like, what do we think 20, is going to come out of this? 2021 is set. You know, like I finished, yeah. I, I turned in my book for February of 2021. I turned that book in in September of 
2019. All right, well, then let me ask you, do you feel like it was darker or affected by the pandemic in some way or, or that your well, I lack of socializing? I finished the rewrites on The Low Desert in April, and okay. I did actually put in a sentence into a story to say, like, like it's like, what what we don't know what to pay attention to. Should I be worried about the people sick in China? I wrote, I actually put that line in, mm. um, and because it's a story that takes place in January of 2020. Hmm. Um, so, like, I did that, but you'll be seeing the books that are reflective of this time will come out in 2022. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I like for crime writers and stuff. I, it's been a lot of conversation. Like, are we going to try and and write about this time? No one wants to read about it. We've yeah, all no. experienced it. You know, I think you're going to see. Um, yeah, I, I think there will be some crime novels that take place during the pandemic because weird fucked up shit can happen when everyone's staying at home and no one's finding the dead bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you'll see some of that. I think, you know, you're going to see a reflection um, in film probably b- more than than books because, you know, books can just avoid the year if they want to. They don't have to write about 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to see a, a rise of the anti-hero, just like you always do after corruption. You're going to see the rise of, right. of people coming out that will destroy corruption. You're going to see a lot of robocops, basically. Right. Um, well, that was funny. I had a conversation early, like midway through the year with some friends about um, detective fiction or, or private detective fiction. And uh, they pointed out, this was not my idea, this is my friend's ideas, but they, they, they pointed out that inherently a private detective is, a, a story about a private detective taking the law into his own hands and solving a crime is about police corruption. Correct. Mm-hmm. Which I had never, yeah. it never occurred to me before. But it was like, right, that's what that whole genre yeah. exists for, is that the police are not to be trusted, and so a private citizen, a detective, has to take matters into their own, which I would just, you know, in, in light of the George Floyd protests and everything that happened this year, suddenly made private detective fiction seem really relevant, yeah. Yeah. In a, you know, in a way that I had never well, positioned it th- in my mind. Think about way. all the vigilance type stuff that came out in the 1980s you know this is right. a direct reflection of ronald reagan in the presidency yes yeah all this vigilantism and you know then it's of course embodied by bernard getz killing those kids on the subway um right so i mean you see it pretty clearly like you see the, su- the superheroes obviously coming out of out of uh war you know like mm-hmm. we need we need a bomb basically but we don't want it to be a bomb we're going to call it superman Yep. Um, so you see these things sort of predictably coming out in, in books and media and things like that. Um, I think you're going to see, and you're already seeing it, um, a, a lot of stuff about uh, organized crime and corruption <laughs> and how things can look one way and be the other way. I think you're right. going to see a lot of that stuff, which is great for me. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, the writers that I know, to be perfectly honest with you, were super productive. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like everyone went through those periods of time where like you couldn't concentrate, you couldn't do anything. But like the most writers I know are, are weird little mole people and they want to be at home and they want to be writing. And so people were turning out a ton of stuff. I was super productive. Like I was yeah. unusually productive. Um, so I think you're going to see a, a lot of stuff. I think the cottage industry of Trump books, um, you know, yeah. has filled the marketplace for a long time. And now there's going to be a cottage industry examining, you know, 
the criminality that comes out of it probably who knows mm. um, yeah. it'll be interesting um should we discuss some of our other favorites of the year oh here yeah. we go okay. here we go <laughs> Here we go. Todd's going to shoot out his favorite t-shirt. Uh, favorite uh, pair of socks. Oh, I do well, have a favorite pair of socks. <laughs> Before Julia? he gets to that. Wait, yeah. okay. I want to jump. You just reminded me of something that I think I forgot to tell you guys, which is hilarious. Um, so the RoboCop plus mentioning writers being productive. I want to prompt you guys on like maybe a writing moment for you. We don't talk about ourselves as writers enough on the show, I think, but I had a really good one in the last couple of months. Oh. Um, I got tapped to write an episode of science Friday, the NPR show. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, wow. They have, they have a sub show called science diction. Um, and so what it's about, I just finished it. They, they are very organized. Um, much more so than us. Uh, wow, I'm sad to learn this. Um, yeah, they don't use Google Hangouts like it's 2011. <laughs> okay, okay, shush. But uh, they have this like some of their show is is called Science Diction, and what they do is they look at the origins of science words. Oh, cool. So I just wrote a whole. 45 minute long it'll probably be short eventually episode about the origin of the word robot and it was so fun to like research that much right in that voice of a well-written podcast (laughs) (laughs) or a written podcast and then like the the editors in radio in you know npr level radio they are so amazing like to be edited and fact checked like that it was it was so much fun so that was so i was like wow i am really it it came out of absolute nowhere i was recommended by a friend um from our local npr station but then i wrote uh, so much of it that they were like well you should just narrate it it yeah. Instead yes. of the host. So it's essentially going to be a crossover episode <laughs> and <laughs> with us because it's just me talking about robots. Um, but it'll be really cool. And that's coming out in February. I can't, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to hear it. That's so funny. Uh, Indy got one of these little like build a robot things like, you know, a cheap little like solar powered robot that we were putting together. He got it for Christmas. And he asked me, he was like, what's a robot? Yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah, what's a, a robot that works on its own that moves on its own that we think is human. I was like, I have. A, I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, like, I actually don't know how to define an, just a robot it's an android. as opposed to a mach- an android. <laughs> but there's differences. It's right? Not, I'm so I can't wait. An android wait looks episode. like a person, yeah. but um, is Hal yeah. a robot? No, because he's not a moving. Is Siri a robot? No, that's AI. Right, a robot has to be moving physically in the world by its own volition. But AI, the movie Haley Joel Osment moves. <laughs> Never saw it. Oh, it's horrible. You should watch. Yeah, it. <laughs> skip. But yeah, There's I, a talking I would. Bear. Robot is a strange word that the it more is. you think about it, um, the more amorphous Ro-bot. it is. Bot. I love it. Did yeah. bot come before the row? No. Interesting. Bot, bot is like a cute recent term that's just pulled off a robot, like huh. like blog is pulled off of weblog. What? Wow. <laughs> is this upsetting Todd you? Just lost his mind. <laughs> blog what? is not its own whole original word either. Weblog. Huh. Are you okay? <laughs> anyway. Huh. 
Anyway, did wow. you have a great God. Brian favorite T-shirt? Yeah, yeah. Your favorite t-shirt. t-shirt of 2020. Uh, the Biden my... Harris shirt you're wearing right now. Oh, I am wearing a Biden Harris shirt right now. My favorite <laughs> T-shirt of 2020 was my Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit Reunions album oh, cover. So I t-shirt. guess we know. I guess we know what your favorite album of the year is, or your favorite song. Uh, I yes, my favorite song <laughs> of the year. Um, Jason Isbell is for the fifth or sixth year in is a row. Overseas by Jason Isbell. Oh. But I listen to a lot of good music. I put out a, a Spotify playlist for the fans. I have nice. uh, seven followers of it already. Wow. Um, <laughs> but you know, the song I ended up listening to more than any other was an old song. I listened, I listened to a lot of old music this year. I listened to Ceremony by Joy Division and New Order over and over and over and over and over, over again. Wow, I don't know that it's song. It's a great old song. Um, but they're also listening to a song called Roger Ebert by um, uh, Clem Snide, um, which is the saddest, most beautiful song on earth, and it's about Roger Ebert's last dying words. Wow. And oh his, his last dying words were, um, it's all an elaborate hoax. Which wow. is... Okay. Uh, Amazing. Um, so that was my favorite song. Julia, what was your favorite song of 2020? Oh, God. Um, all that's coming to mind because you never prepare us for never. this stupid no. question. It's, it, it's like you've been arrested and you need to provide these answers to get out of jail. Okay. So this is a song that's immediate. I was listening to it today. I told you guys before we started recording, my daughter is obsessed with Soul, uh, the movie, the new movie. Um, and she has been begging to listen to jazz piano, um, which is amazing because she's only three years old. Um, so all of these songs that John Batiste wrote for soul are incredibly beautiful. So those are my favorite songs right now in the moment that you're asking me. All right. So we've got Jason Isbell. We've got the soundtrack of the movie soul. Yep. What what was your favorite music of 2020 writer? Uh, this is a weird year for me musically. Um, I, I ended up like caring less about lyrics for the first time in my life. So I actually started listening to like more electronica, mm-hmm. like, or, or I had never really listened to a Taylor Swift song until this summer. Neither oh. had I. I'm a Swifty. I'm a Swifty. I, I found like the month of August, I was listening to the song August by Taylor Swift, like over and over again, Dude. which is like the pop. Everybody greatest, has to like... bow down to her churning out two great albums. Look, I, yeah, I don't... they're great. I, I have an image, right? I am a Swifty. Folklore, <laughs> I've lis- I listen to Folklore, folklore is a great album. more than I listen to just about any full album that came out. Yeah, I absolutely totally. loved it. And I'm I'm admitting it here now for the first time. I'm a Swifty. The recent the ones song, that we get to. The song that I listened to the most, and I don't think this is a coincidence, was also the, the person I saw in concert last, which was in February. I saw um, this Canadian singer-songwriter named Leif Volbeck, um, V-O-L-L-E-B-E-K-K, and he's great. He's just like in in my sweet spot of a sort of singer-songwriter. Uh, his lyrics are not always amazing, but it doesn't matter. His voice is incredible. His instrumentation is great. And he has a song called Transatlantic Flight that was just my 2020 mood (laughs) perfectly. Uh, And I just, I listened to that over and over. It's like, it's like a callback to an old, like Van Morrison, like sort of, uh, I don't know, just listen to it. It's such a good song. Um, And then, and then I rediscovered Marty O'Reilly and the old soul orchestra this year, which if you guys have never heard their, his music, he has an album called pray for rain that I had, I had listened to it. It came out 
maybe, I don't know, 2013 or 14, but that album, I, I was obsessed with it. It's like this specifically Northern California sort of gypsy folk mm-hmm. sound. Like if you like old, like Tom Waits vibe, it's, it's, it's a very unique sound, uh, but at its heart, it's just a, a, you know, a great vocal vocalist doing like a singer songwriter kind of stuff. That's awesome. Um, I would recommend the song dream catcher from pray for rain to cool. anybody interested. Yeah. I also, I also listened to a ton of um, your homie from Connecticut, uh, Julia Chesky. I listen to a ton of Chesky. If you like rap music that is uh, a mixture of rap and punk and folk music, Chesky is the deal, man. Sad He's Fat Luck. Best. I listen to that. I listen to Sad Fat Luck over and over and over and over again this year. It's a great record. Nice. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Um, movies? Do movies? Did anybody watch any movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think if, if like, like the other night I watched Midnight Sky, which was terrible, and um, I was like, "What are they going to do for the Academy Awards? Are they going to have the Academy Awards?" Well, wait a second. When did we see Parasite? What that, that was, was January twenty nineteen. That one twenty. That, yeah, that one Best Picture twenty nineteen. Okay, damn it. Yeah, so we're that's the thing. It's a it's a weird year. Yeah, I watched a, a lot of spot. I watched a lot of TV. What did you guys have? Something that you streamed. And binged like that was more than just eight episodes. Did you watch like twenty seasons of, of something? I watched so much TV, but okay. Well, everybody's gonna say this everywhere. The two things I'm about to say, um, and it's sometimes it's just nice to get on the zeitgeist and it, in the conversation. But Greg and I watched Shit's Creek one episode at a time for months instead of binging mm. it, and that was. What the doctor fucking ordered. I don't know if you guys... (laughs) It's just funny and warm and, like, so Canadian. And Catherine O'Hara's a genius. And it was great. So everybody watched it. And I'm happy they did because it's like a vitamin of goodness. But the other thing that I can't stop thinking about is, you know, we were really devoted to The Good Place. And the Mm -hmm. last episode was so good. I've gone back and rewatched it several times. Um did you guys watch that show? Yes, loved it. Absolutely no. loved it. Um, Absolutely loved it. So good. So and smart. So smart. smart and she and is funny. secretly jacked, which is the other thing that I find fascinating. Like that dude without a shirt on is ripped. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's like the hardest plane to land in history as a mm-hmm. sitcom about heaven, hell, and yeah, metaphysical questions. Right. And I mean, it was tense in my house the day we watched it because we were like, we love this show. There's no way. There's no way this ending will be good. You have to right. like protect yourself, you know, right? Because um, these characters have already died, literally died like twenty times. So just being like, <laughs> like they all die or they right. don't die, like doesn't work. Right. Um, and it was, it like made me feel better about life and think differently about life. Wow. So yeah. that was better than any movie I could have seen. Um, my comfort food. Um is Bosch on Amazon yep. Prime. I've watched the seven seasons of Bosch over the course of the, like I watch most of my TV from 11 o'clock till 1 a.m. And I've watched every single season of Bosch maybe twice this pandemic. Wow. It's just wow. my perfect comfort <laughs> food. I just absolutely love it. And I don't I don't even know why like there's I have an infinite number of things to watch. But so there's that. But then there's also 
We've watched every single forensics murder show that exists. Uh. <laughs> we just got done watching. I had to stop with that. We just got done yeah, watching The too. Ripper uh, <laughs> about a murder in Britain. So any sort of murder show. Um, but maybe the, my m- most pleasurable experience, I really love The Boys. Um, yeah, The Boys uh, is incredible. I just, I just, I, I find that extraordinarily entertaining. And because they didn't release it all at once, you had to actually wait and watch it over the course of two months, which pissed me off at first. And then I found that I, I liked yeah. the routine that had been established the previous 49 years of my life of having <laughs> appointment television. Um, so I really liked The Boys. The Boys was, I think, my, my favorite viewing experience. Um, I only could tolerate two TV shows this entire pandemic. Whoa. I know I can't, I like, I tried everything. Uh, you know, I, I watch with Alex. Uh, she has been able to binge shows, but I tap out after an episode or two. I just, and even shows I like, like the boys, I loved the first season of the boys and the second season came out and I'm just like, I, I, I watched maybe half of one episode and I know it's not the show. It's just my mindset right. for whatever reason. I can't handle TV shows right now. So I've, I've been watching more, like if I, if I'm left to my own devices and just want to zone out for half an hour, I did watch all of Rick and Morty that I had not <laughs> discovered until this year, which is amazing. Yes. And that was like the one thing that like, okay, this is, I can handle this. This isn't the right level of absurdity, but still really smart and funny. And and then the other show that I really have been able to enjoy is Pen15. Um, oh yeah, that was over. really good. That was it's so good, so and I just think that the two of them are incredible actors, writers, actors, creators, and I so you smart. Know, it goes, there's just this this tradition of actor led uh, shows out there, mm-hmm. you know. I, I and I uh, Atlanta, Fleabag, Pen Fifteen, where a creator creates their own character or their own situation, writes the show, and then stars in it. That I just think is sort yeah. of the vanguard of, of comedy right now. Like, I, mm-hmm. or, like mm-hmm. even, I mean, I wouldn't even consider them comedies half the time. They're really just like insightful dramas yeah. that are funny. Uh, so anyway, that pen 15 has been the latest one for me that I just love. Um, but yeah, then movie wise, I can't, I have not, you know, I've been all on introducing Indy to my favorite movies that he's now old enough to enjoy. So we've been doing a lot of that on my own. I just don't watch movie. I just, I, you know, I've watched, I've rewatched stuff. Um, watched a lot of hard. mindless action films. You know, like, oh, yeah. they're going to blow up Miami? I'm going to watch that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you know the, what I rewatched one... a thousand times? Is Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls is so goddamn funny. Did you guys I don't even know that? what that is. Oh, my no. God. Did you watch Dairy Girls, Julia? Uh, it's on my list of things oh that God. I have told that I would like. <laughs> oh, my. You guys got to watch it. It's They're 22 minutes long. They're extraordinarily funny. And then it turns out that they're also surprisingly moving. Mm, um, perfect. Yeah, Wendy and I watched the the two seasons of Dairy Girls like I don't know, thirty times. <laughs> all we do now is just walk around quoting it. That and Galaxy Quest. Um, all right, lightning round. Uh, favorite oh, no. snack food, Julia. Oh, um, those like they they are dried wasabi pea pods. They're really good. You can Ooh. get them at Target. Right. They're very Wasabi good. They're creamy Rider. and spicy, says the packaging. Favorite snack foods? I have no idea. I'm trying. I'm like literally racking my brain. Like all I do is eat like cashews by the fistful. Cashews by the snack, fistful. So. Done. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Todd? Um, trail mix, chocolate covered almonds. Oh, marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Marshmallows were a big, were a big eat. Okay. Next round. We're <laughs> doing better. Healthy. We're doing better. Okay. Um, uh, favorite sock. Okay, I got really into slipper socks this year. 
Um, nice. Their slippers and their socks. You never have to leave your house. You can put shoes on them if you want. Right. About- favorite sock or shoe item. <laughs> I don't know how to describe the boots. Like, I, I just had, I had, yeah, I'll just go back to boots. Yeah. Did you wear uh, your boots? Had, this is a crucial question. Or were you in what? so much that you didn't wear your boots very much? I, no, 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 no. I cannot function in, during the day without real pants on and, and real boots oh. on. So wow. I will not write. Wow. I will not get anything wow. done if I just allow myself to be like in pajamas and slippers or no shoes. Yeah, I'm weird like that. I have to have shoes on from the moment I get out of bed till I'm ready to go to sleep. Wow. So that's a perfect segue to my <laughs> foot favorite of the year. So okay. I, from March 13th until about June, I didn't wear shoes. <laughs> I didn't wear anything. Oh I didn't wear socks, nothing. And then I was like, oh my God, my back is fucking killing me. <laughs> like what is going, like I'm doing all these like stretches and shit. Like Wendy's got me doing yoga just to try to, and I was like, maybe I should try wearing shoes. I haven't, worn, I haven't worn shoes in three months. Um, so I started wearing these air birds, these sort of like all prison, birds, all birds, internet what, what are, shoes. That's, that's like a, that's not even a shoe. It, what is that? It was a, a gift. A, a, it's a slipper. I got it as a gift. And I was like, I'm going to start wearing these. Apparently, tech bros wear them. Yeah, they're this is su- an internet shoe. Yeah, they're super light. An internet shoe. They're they're warm <laughs> enough where you can just wear them if your feet are cold, and they have a minimal amount. So of So you've rediscovered the moccasin. I've yeah. that's, I've that's... become a moccasin guy. <laughs> He's like fondling this shoe, listener. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> regular shoe. And Wendy's like, uh... you cannot wear that shoe out of the house. I'm like, I'm just driving to Target. She's like, but you're going to walk inside Target with that shoe? And I was like, what is it? What does it fucking matter? I haven't worn then, hard pants in nine months. There's a, there's a real, like, tradition of ugly, comfortable shoes. Yes. Right? Like this. I feel like every couple of years, remember when Uggs were, like, the thing? And, like, every Crocs. woman in the world. Oh, I and can crock these. Huh? Yeah. And now the, like. I, <laughs> the official name of the shoe that I'm fondling right now is the Wool Lounger. Okay. Mm. I thought this was a lightning round. Oh, yeah. right. Sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. Just hit the dog with my shoe. Sorry, dog. Um, let's see here. Um, favorite dinner food. Favorite pandemic dinner food. Ramen. Uh, Ramen. We made our own pasta. Oh, gosh. And, wow. Like, you know, it's just a fun activity to, like, sit around it. I don't know. We, we've had, like, great meals. Like, anytime family meal you know because i had my in-laws living with me early on in the pandemic and so it was just so nice to do things that brought us all together and and yeah we definitely making pasta and eating it together was just i want to go back and add ramen makes me sound like i'm living in a dorm um i've gotten into (laughs) adding fresh ingredients on top of ramen like Mm. you're supposed to wow that's a life changer but i want to agree family dinners another like when I started our, my improv theater and teaching improv every night, I was like, well, we're never going to eat dinner together. That's just the way our life is going to be. And this year, now we all just drift towards the table at six o'clock on the button. And that has been really nice. Uh, really similar to all of you, Wendy bought me something called Freshly, where yes, pre made food arrives here at my house and, nice. I, and I can eat really good food every night. So Freshly has been Freshly mine. is great. <laughs> Been my fine. We get I've been eating a lot here. of sourdough bread, but I'm not making it. I'm not fucking writer. Over okay, here. lightning round. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> what what other things do we normally talk about? Um, um, 
I don't, we didn't really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Any other favorites? Favorite place to visit in 2020. Oh, oh, oh right. um, I, you know what? Sometimes I go into our guest room and I just sit. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry. Here's, here's our last lightning round question. When we're all free again, what's the, where's the first place you're going to go? Right. Oh, I've been, I've been fantasizing about this so much. This has like been a fun conversation for me and Alex. Uh, what we are thinking right now is like if everything goes back to normal, I really want to take an old-fashioned American road trip yes. and visit all of our friends mm-hmm. across the country. Yes. Like just throw Indy in the car and drive from friend to friend to friend yeah. for like a year. Yeah. Like I just I just want to see you. I want to yeah. see you guys. I want to see my friends and I want to stay with you and I want to like pull up with our, you know, with our car and have like a night or two with like everybody across the country. Yeah, that is like wonderful. my and I mean it's the worst thing to do, right? right? You know, unless everything is if everything is like immediately back to normal, that's the trip I mm-hmm. want to take. Uh, but I know that that's unlikely. So I'm not sure where to go first. But like, yeah, like that's what we've like, we literally, Alex and I will sit around, we'll like take Andy for a walk and that's what we'll talk about. It'll just be fantasizing. And then we could, we could go visit our friends in Alaska and then we could drive, you know, it was like, we're just tracing our map around the United States. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. I love oh. it. That's what I want to do too. Julia, so where's the first place you go? I mean, this is the first place I'm going to go and it's so emotional for me. Like the first the, the moment I'm looking forward to the most is the first night that my own theater is packed with people laughing yes. and not worrying. Yes. And like yes. it's a small black box theater. So they will be crammed together. They will be touching each other. They will be laughing. It will be the most I it will be the most emotional thing. It will yeah. way surpass opening the theater. Yeah. Right. Um. And I just like this is what makes me so emotional is like the loss of that joy is so mm-hmm. painful that I can't wait to give it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was so great. I that that sounds wonderful. Um, I, I'm going to get some sushi. Uh-huh. <laughs> get that now. <laughs> yeah, you can order, I'm, order I'm scared of sushi. I don't want some guy touching my sushi. Uh, oh my I really I really miss my siblings. Yeah. And I want to go have, uh, I want to grab Wendy and get in the car and have that conversation where we predict what everyone is wearing <laughs> and what everyone will be obsessed about. And I want to go have a big lunch or dinner at their house where we all hug each other and sit around and bullshit and talk about uh, shit that happened 35 years ago and, uh, and not be worried that we're going to die from it. Mm-hmm. I just, I really miss my siblings. Um, yeah. so that's, that's what I want to do. I just want to hang out with uh, the people that I love and then you go on a road trip and then sit in a fucking theater mm-hmm. and go see a oh, concert. God, I really, theater. I really want to hear live music. A concert. Yeah. I miss live music so much. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I probably go to, you know, three or four concerts a year or something like that. I just miss it so much. Yeah. Um, and I want to get another dog. Mm. That's another thing. I mean, I could do that now, but yeah, <laughs> but we're scared. It's a big boom in pet adoption right we're now. We're scared so. of going to the vet, so there's that. I feel well, like, hey, yes. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I know you're about to talk to the listeners, um, and this will work with that thought too. Is you know, like the big side effect here is we appreciate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this crazy nuclear blast, and everything we took for granted, everything's wiped out. So. It's 
it's going to be great to appreciate everything yeah. that we get to s- touch and smell yeah. and see. And hey, look, here's here's a promise, listeners. We will do a live show somewhere. <laughs> we will do a live show somewhere in 2021 if we're all free again. <laughs> yeah. Where you get to come and awkwardly touch Ryder Strong. <laughs> uh, you can't man, touch me. <laughs> hey, you, you guys... You guys, being you, Julia, and you, Ryder, saved my life this year. Uh, yeah. I couldn't have, yeah. couldn't, couldn't have survived without you two. But also you guys out there in listener land, um, you guys saved all of our lives. We really appreciate you um, letting us do the show and be in your ears through this tragic, comic, horrible year of 2020. And um, we I guess we'll you. do it again in 2021. Yeah. We've been doing it now for like 13 fucking years. We're never going to we stop. stop. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's, so I love New Year's. Um, I I don't care about New Year's Eve. That's stupid. No, but I, um, I do love New Year's resolutions and this completely arbitrary time that we all get to become new people or whatever. Um, and you know the way to really make a good resolution is to make new habits. And lately, I've been thinking a lot of about what's already habituated in my life. And we got to this point together by just making it a habit, these episodes and all this reading (laughs) together. And when we started this, we were friends. We were good friends, but now we're like great friends. And we had a very loving text chain about halfway through the pandemic ago. (laughs) However you do that math. Um, And I'm so happy that this is a habit, you know? And I think... we thank the listeners for making us a habit and more than that for making reading and writing a habit yeah, because absolutely. if you weren't in the habit of reading and writing, it's it's hard to start. So yeah. good for you. You know what we should do, though, for 2021? We should have our first episode after this one. We should feature just someone absolutely incredible <laughs> on our next episode. Don't you guys think? Yeah, that would be really cool. Don't you think? Like, maybe one of the greatest living writers yeah. of all time. Maybe the number one. Why don't we try, for our next episode after this, to have maybe the greatest living writer on our show? Teaser. Okay, let's try that. Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter, at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>